prologue. It wasn't there, then it was. Later, that was how Angela Dupree would describe the airplane over and over to one investigator after another until she was told to never speak of it again. But when she first saw the plane that night, she wasn't thinking about mysteries and secrets. She was wondering how many mistakes she could make without getting fired. How many questions she dared ask before her supervisor, Monique, would explode. That's it! You're too stupid to work at Sky Trails Air. Get out of here! Angela had used a post-it note to write down the code for standby passengers who'd received a seat assignment at the last second and she stuck it to her computer screen. She knew she had, but somehow between the flight arriving from St. Louis and the one leaving for Chicago, the post-it note had vanished. Any minute now, she thought some standby passenger would show up at the counter asking for a boarding pass, and Angela would be forced to turn to Monique once more and mumble, uh, what was the code again? And then Monique, who had perfect hair and perfect nails and a perfect tan and had probably been born knowing all the Sky Trail codes, would grit her teeth and narrow her eyes and repeat the code in the slow, fake patient voice she'd been using with Angelo all night. The voice that said behind the words, I know you're severely mentally challenged, so I will try not to speak faster than one word per minute, but have you, but you have to realize this is a real strain for me because I am so vastly superior. Angela was not severely mentally challenged. She'd done fine in school and at the Sky Trails orientation. It was just, this was her first actual day on the job and Monique had been nasty from the very start. Every one of Monique's frowns and glares and intuitions kept masking, sorry, kept making Angela feel more panicky and stupid. Sighing, Angela glanced up. She needed a break from staring at the computer screen, longing for a lost post-it note. She peered out at the passengers crowding the terminal, tired-looking families, sprawled in seats, dark-suited businessmen sprinting down the aisle. Which one of them would be a standby flyer who'd rush up to the counter and ruin Angela's life? Generally speaking, Angela had always liked people. She wasn't used to seeing them as threats. She forced her gaze beyond the clumps of passengers to a huge plate glass window on the other side of the aisle. It was getting dark, dark out and Angela could see the runway lights twinkling in the distance. Runway, run away, she thought vaguely. And then, had she blinked? Suddenly the lights were gone. No, she corrected herself, blocked. Suddenly, there was an airplane between Angela and the runway lights, an airplane rolling rapidly towards the terminal. Angela gasped. What now? Monique snarled, her voice thick with aspiration. That plane, Angela said, at gate 2B. I thought it... What was she supposed to say? Wasn't there? Appeared out of thin air? I thought it was going too fast and might run into the building. She finished in a rush because suddenly she had seemed too true. She watched as the plane pulled to a stop, neatly aligned with the jetway. But it didn't. No worries. Monique whirled around Angela. Never, she began in a hushed voice, 
full of suppressed rage. Never, ever, ever say anything like that. Weren't you paying attention in orientation? Never say that you think a plane is going to crash. Never say a plane could crash. Never even use the word crash. Do you understand? Okay, Angela whispered. Sorry. But some small rebellious part of her brain was thinking, I didn't use the word crash. Weren't you paying attention to me? And if the plane really was going to run into the building, wouldn't Sky Trails want its employees to warn people to get out of the way? Just as rebelliously, Angela kept watching the plane parked at 2B. Instead, instead of bending her head down, back down to, the con- to concentrate on her computer, um, Monique, she said after a few moments, should one of us go over there and help the passengers unload? Uh, I mean, deplane. She was proud of herself to remember to use the official airline sanctioned word for unloading. Beside her, Monique rolled her eyes. The gate agents responsible for 2B, she said in a tight voice, will handle deplaning there. Angela glanced at the 2B counter, which was silent and dark and completely unattended. There wasn't even a message scrolling across the LCD uh, sign behind the counter to indicate that the plane had arrived or where it had come from. Nobody's there, Angela said stubbornly. Frowning, Monique finally glanced up. Great. Just great, she muttered. I always have to fix everyone else's mistakes. She began stabbing her perfectly manicured nails at the computer keyboard. Then she stopped, mid-stab. Wait. That can't be right. What is it? Angela asked. Monique was shaking her head. Must be pilot error, she said, grimacing in disgust. Some yahoo pulled into the wrong gate. There's not supposed to be anyone at that gate until the Cleveland flight at 9.30. Angela considered telling Monique that if Sky Trails had banned crash from employees' vocabulary, that maybe passengers should be protected from hearing pilot error as well. But Monique was already grabbing the telephone and barking out orders. Yeah, Bob, major screw-up, she was saying. You gotta get someone over here. No, I don't know which gate it was supposed to go to. How would I know? Do you think I'm clairvoyant? No. I can't see the numbers on the plane. Do you know it's dark out? With her free hand, Monique was gesturing frantically at Angela. At least go open the door, she hissed. You mean, the door to the jetway? Monique said, pointing Angela, uh, hoped, Angela hoped that some of the contempt on Monique's face was intended for Bob, not just her. Angela imagined meeting Bob someday, sharing a laugh at Monique's expense. Still, dutifully, she walked over to the 2B waiting area and pulled open the door to the hallway that led down to the plane. Nobody came out. Angela picked up a piece of lint off her blue skirt and then stood at attention, her back perfectly straight and just like in the training videos. Maybe she couldn't keep track of standby codes, but she was capable of standing up straight. Still, nobody appeared. Angela began to feel foolish, standing so alertly by an open door that no one was using. She bent her head and peeked down the jetway. It was deserted and turned out 
turned at such an angle that she couldn't see all the way down to the plane to see if anyone had opened the door to the jet yet. She backed up a little and peered out the window, straight down to the cockpit of the plane. The cockpit was dark, its windows blank, and that struck Angela as odd. She'd been on the job for only five hours, and she'd been a little distracted, but she was pretty sure that when planes landed, the pilot stayed in the cockpit for a while, filling out paperwork or something. She thought that they were at least they they at least waited until all passengers were off before they turned out the cockpit lights. Angela peeked down the empty jetway once more and went back to Monique. Of course, I'm sure there's a plane at that gate. I can see it with my own eyes. Monique was practically screaming into the phone. She shook her head at Angela, and for the first time, it was almost in a uh, compassionable way, as if to say, at least you know there's a plane there. Like, unlike the other morons I have to deal with, Monique cupped her hand over the receiver and fumed with Angela. The incompetence around here is unbelievable. The control tower says that plane never landed, never showed up on radar. The Sky Trails dispatcher, dispatcher says we're not missing a plane. Everything was supposed to land in the past hour pulled up to the right gate. And all other planes due to arrive within the next hour or so are accounted for. How could so many people just lose a plane? Or how could we find it, Angela thought. The whole situation was beginning to seem strange to her, otherworldly. But maybe it was just a function of being new to the job or of having spent so much time concentrating on a computer and being yelled at by Monique. Maybe airports lost and found planes all the time and that was just one of those things nobody had mentioned in the Sky Trails orientation. Did uh, anybody try to contact the pilot? Angela asked cautiously. Of course, Monique said. But there's no answer. He must be on the wrong frequency. Angela thought of the dark cockpit, the way she hadn't been able to see through the windows. She decided not to mention this. Should I go back and wait? Monique nodded fear fiercely and went back to, into yelling at the phone. What do you mean this isn't your responsibility? It's not my responsibility either. Angela was glad to put a wide aisle and two waiting areas between herself and Monique again. She went back to the jetway door by gate 2B. The sloped hallway leading down to the plane was still empty. And the colorful travel posters lining the walls, sky trails, your ticket to the world, seemed jarringly bright. Angela stepped into the jetway. I'll just go down far enough to see if the jet door is open, she told herself. It may be a violation of protocol, but Monique won't notice, not when she's busy yelling at everyone else in the airport. At the bend bend in the ramp, Angela looked around the corner. She had a limited view, but caught a quick glimpse of a flight attendant's little galley with neatly stowed drink carts. Obviously, the jet door was standing wide open. She started to turn around, already beginning to debate with herself about whether she should report this information to Monique. Then she had heard what? A whimper? A cry? Angela couldn't ex exactly identify the sound, but it was enough to pull her down, down the jetway. 
New Sky Trails employee saves passenger on first day of job, she thought to herself, imagining the praise and congratulations, and maybe the raise she'd be sure to receive if she was visualizing what she was visualizing was right, real. She learned CPR in the orientation session. She knew basic first aid. She knew where every emergency phone in the airport was located. She started walking faster, then running. On the side of the jet, she was surprised to see strange insignia. Tachyon travel, it said, some airline. Angela had never heard of it. Uh, Was that a private charter company, maybe? And then, while she was staring at it, the word suddenly changed into familiar wing-in-the-cloud symbol of sky trails. Angela blinked. That couldn't have happened, she told herself. It was just an optical illusion. Just because I was running? Just because I'm worried about whoever made that cry or whimper? Angela stepped onto the plane. She turned her head, first to the left, looking into the cockpit. Its door also stood open, but the small space was empty. The instruments dark. Hello? Angela called, looking looking to the right now, expecting to see some flight attendant with perfectly applied makeup, or maybe some flight attendant and a pilot bent over a prone passenger. Maybe an old man suddenly struck down by a heart attack or a stroke. Or at least, very the very least, passengers crowding the aisle, clutching laptops and stuffed animals, brought from faraway grandparents' homes, overtired toddlers crying, fragile old women calling out to taller men. Could you pull down my luggage from the overhead for me? It's that red suitcase right there. But the aisle of this plane was empty and silent as its cockpit. Angela could see all the way down to the back of the plane and not a single person stood in her way. Not a single voice answered her. Only then did Angela drop her gaze to the passenger seat. They stretched back 12 rows and two seats per row on the left, left side of the aisle and one each on the right. She stepped forward, peering at all of them, 36 seats on this plane. Every single one of them was full. Each seat contained a baby.